Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Avengers with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Box Office Bitchers. Matt, tell the people, what are we watching this week? Uh, well, I guess what we watched this week, what, we're, what we reviewed, I guess, um, is uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, uh, starring Nicolas Cage playing himself, which last week we reviewed Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and that was a whole... A very original film, and I feel like this movie, much of the same, is another original take on everything else. Um, it also stars Pedro Pascal, Tiffany Haddish, uh, directed by Tom uh, Gormickin, uh, who also directed The Awkward Moment, which was a weird uh, change from going from, you know, an, a, a comedy, like a romantic comedy-ish to now this movie which is also a comedy but nonetheless uh so yeah we're going to be diving into that film um ernesto i'll be curious to hear your thoughts because this is a very interesting movie especially knowing like all of what nick cage is to then go after and play himself yeah i have uh i have many thoughts on this movie <laughs> <laughs> uh, but of course before we dive into all of that we are gonna it's been a massive Newsweek, to say the least. Last week, we had CinemaCon 2012, and then directors apparently don't want to do their jobs anymore. We're, we're going to get into all that um, in this <laughs> week's news, as well as what you're watching and, of course, our review. Uh, but let's get right into it. CinemaCon, which is the annual gathering of movie theater owners, took place last week at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas and delivered a bunch of big announcements from all major movie studios. So we're going to start first with Sony Pictures, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, now releasing on June 2nd of 2023, it was previously delayed, um, they came out news from that, and it will have 240 characters, six universes they're going to explore, and this is for me the big one that I think is really interesting, uh, it has, it's going to have the largest crew for an animated film, um, and can you imagine that, Ernesto, it has, you know, beating the likes of Disney, being the likes of DreamWorks and Pixar, like this movie is the one that's going to have the largest crew, which I think is very fascinating for a project like this. Oh, yeah. It just seems like they're going to up the ante from, from the last film. And even yes. the, the final film being called Beyond the Spider-Verse, I, mm -hmm. I have a fan theory. Okay, let's hear it. I think, I think they're going to go like Roger Rabbit live action. Ooh. Beyond the Spider-Verse. Ooh, I like that. Yes. Yes, I want to see your movie. I want to, I want to see your movie. That that sounds amazing. Like a live action, uh, uh, like animated live action. Yes, very or even similar. A crossover, a crossover to at least some sort of crossover to the other, uh, to the other, even the other Spider Man projects, or even just the other Spider Verse, just so we know that they can connect. Yes. Ah, oh, man, I love that. Um, 
And I, I want to see that movie now. That that sounds amazing because that that would just be in meta with everything else that's happening in that movie. Um, but yes, yeah, so Beyond the Spider Verse will now arrive in theaters March 29th, 2024. So only a f- about ten months after uh, Across the Spider Verse when that comes out. Um, also, news to come out of that: Venom three and a sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife are officially in the works, which is kind of was expected, but now we have official announcement. Um, and lastly. Sony announced a new Spider-Man spinoff that we don't have any. We don't have more of those now. Um, film called El Mierto, uh, starring Bad Bunny, Marvel's first live-action Latino lead film. In the comics, El Mierto is a superpowered wrestler who has had their mask and abilities passed down uh, through uh, through the generations and will debut in theaters January 12th, 2024. Um, Ernesto, your thoughts on that particular piece of news? Uh, it seems like kind of a quick release date. Oh, like, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> but what I think is good is I think they're, they're taking the approach that uh, James Gunn had with Peacemaker because, mm. there's not, because there's not a lot of information out about it, this character. I think I read somewhere he's only showed up in like a very like a small amount of comics. There's not a lot of lore out there for him. So Bad Bunny could literally make this his character. He could take what little bit of lore and make it and completely make it his own. Yeah, I know that he's an artist, like you know, for music, but I I, I don't know if he's ever acted before. Well he's gonna be in the new bullet train movie with with uh Brad Pitt. Oh with Brad Pitt. Oh interesting. Okay, so I guess we'll get to see his acting chops then. Maybe He's in the trailer. Uh, in the trailer, you know, the guy who stabs him with a knife and stabs yeah. through his phone? That's Bad Bunny. Okay. All right. Interesting. Maybe this would be a good movie. Well, I'm already interested in Bullet Train. That movie looks wild. <laughs> um, but, At least that'll uh, give you a heads up for maybe what he can bring to Muerto. Yeah, exactly. And also, it's a very interesting character to bring into the, like into Sony's Spider-Verse. Like, I know there's a lot of other villains we could have chosen, but they chose this one to move on. And I think from all the projects we've heard so far, it's just it's really interesting that they are diving into stories that are not the popular choice. Craven the Hunter, well, maybe that's a little bit more popular, but definitely Spide, uh, uh, Madam Web and now Emerto. It, it, it sounds like we're hopefully maybe that... Since Sony is taking obscure choices, hopefully that could be a good sign. It wasn't the case for Morbius, but hopefully that means that the these movies can be more unique than than others. Yeah. Or it's going to be bad, and they're going to realize <laughs> that they should just co-op with Marvel for everything. Just yes. Let, let Marvel have their hands in it. It's yes, not be please. Bad. Like they look how good they look what they did for you for Spider Man. <laughs> exactly. Like you know what? Let's this like they're like you're 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 making billions of dollars by working with Marvel. What's what's the bad in that Sony? Like and then on, you rake in the money. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like it's it's a it's a win win for everybody really. Win for the audience. Win for your bank account. Win for all Marvel because they want to work with Spider Man. Let's 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 think about this for a second. All right. Um, but for the meantime, we have these other villain movies that are in the works as well. But I will say, Ernesto, they are doing good with the Spider Verse movies. So. All thumbs up there. Um, All right, so uh, that's all the announcements from Sony. Now we're moving on to Warner Brothers. And The Batman is officially getting a sequel with director Matt Reeves returning, as well as uh, Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravis all returning for their respective roles. Um, Very excited. very excited. No surprise there, but that you know, very excited to hear that. Uh, director Greta Gerwig's upcoming Barbie movie, Barbie movie, starring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, gets official release date of June twenty 
I'm sorry, July 21st, 2023. Um, it was also, and a side note, I didn't write this down, but they said that the Barbie song is not going to be featured in the movie, and apparently people was in an uproar about that. <laughs> I thought that was very... <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's an iconic song from the 90s that we it all is... know. It's very, it's literally the Barbie song. Like, yeah. come on Barbie, let's go let's Barbie. Let's go. Like, ah! <laughs> like even even as like a I think maybe because it's Greta Gerwig she you know she's yes. she's not that kind of director but Absolutely. even if even if she were to walk into the shop somewhere and it be playing like on a little radio in the background I think would be enough for people that's fair I will that's fair like I, I a mean subtle nod like something <laughs> like a little like a little little something it is we don't need a full music number of the entire cast singing the song <laughs> right <laughs> i i will i will i will say that i think a nod would not be too hard of an ask um but i just thought it was interesting that you know fans were pretty upset about that i, I, I didn't think it was that serious but but you're also it. right greta gerwig is also not that director she she's like ladybird and little women like that's that's her style she's oscar winning which is uh, what i think is going to be <clears throat> so interesting to see what she's going to bring to this property because this property when you hear barbie you think of like bubbly and happy Mm -hmm. you know you don't think of something serious like that but maybe that's the angle that she wanted to take it right and i i totally agree with that this i mean honestly if you see a barbie movie is coming out starring margot robbie it's like eh, okay whatever we'll see the trailer but because of the director that because she is a director that puts a whole different spin on it and and that for me it has 100 percent my curiosity same um another warner brother news uh coming from dc uh michael shannon will return as general zod in the upcoming flash film um so that's interesting to to hear well unless he's Unless this is their way of trying to bring him back. Because you know they're going to do Flashpoint. So it's like, all mm-hmm. right, who can we bring back? Who can come back to life? <laughs> yeah. Also, I mean, I mean, we could be seeing a different General Zod. It might not That's be the same point. one. We could say like a, maybe maybe a nicer version. <laughs> Probably <laughs> That'd not. That would be entertaining. <laughs> Probably... <laughs> no, that's not happening. Um, and then after – and then lastly, after uh, a very early trailer was shown for Paul King's Wonka starring Timothy Chalamet – the film will indeed be a musical and will release on December 15, 2023. Uh, so we're a little ways from that. But I, for some reason, I didn't expect it to be a musical. But it is. Uh, I mean, I get it. Because the, the original one has a bunch of songs from it that you can, mm-hmm. you can remember. There's like rememberable songs from it. So I could see it. Yeah. I could see it working. But when I hear a musical, that just tells me it's going to be more lighthearted than it is going to be. It's going to be like whimsical almost. That's what I think when I hear Wonka musical. Yeah, I, that's fair. I do think that uh, whimsical is a good – I feel like it's a good description. Also, I mean, I think honestly Timothy Chalamet is a great choice for Willy Wonka, like a young Willy Wonka. Yeah, I'm I'm, 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 I'm here for that. Like going 100%. the what, – what's – fuck, what's what's the, the guy's first name? Um, the original Willy Wonka. Um, what was his name? Damn it. I know Johnny Depp, but there's um, Gene Wilder. Uh, Gene Wilder. I knew it was Gene, but I, I yeah. wanted to say Gene Simmons. So I was like, yes. that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think he's like, he's um, taking up the mantle. I, I think that's a good choice uh, going against like Gene Wilder and Johnny Depp for people who've taken the role before. Um, 
so yeah, so that's all the news coming from Warner Brothers. Not too much. Uh, moving on to Disney slash 20th Century Studios. They didn't have much to announce, but they did have a lot to say about the new Avatar film, which I guess in some ways is refreshing because we have literally have known nothing up until this point. Um, so James Cameron highly anticipated film Avatar 2 is now titled Avatar The Way of Water. Disney, which inherited the franchise after acquiring 20th Century Fox in 2019 has unveiled new footage at CinemaCon 2022 uh, set more than a decade after the events of the first film. The Avatar The Way of Water begins to tell the story of Sully's family, of the Sully family, which is Jake, Natiri, and their children. Um, and the trouble that follows them, uh, the lengths they go to keep each other safe, and the battles they fight to stay alive, and the tragedies they endure. The trailer will, de- and so that trailer, I'm assuming that was shown at CinemaCon, will debut exclusively in theaters ahead of Marvel's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness coming this week on May 6th. And so that's interesting. That That's even more reason to go see the movie because they're not going to – well, as of right now anyway, they're not going to premiere it online. You can see it first if you go watch Doctor Strange, which is a great <laughs> incentive if you, for us who was already going to go to. It's like, well, that's just another check mark. That's, if anything, that's the reason for you to get there during the previews so you yep. can watch that trailer. So you don't miss the trailer. Exactly. Um, and then even a more interesting note, a, a remastered version of the first Avatar film will be released in theaters September 23rd, ahead of the release of Avatar The Way of Water, which will be released on December 16th of this year. Ooh, looking forward to that. You know That's what it's happening. I, I will say that I'm not a big fan of actually going to see re-releases in the movie theater, but if they're going to remaster it to today's technology that they're using for the new movie, I'm 100% for that. Yeah, I definitely I want to go see that in the Dolby Theater. <laughs> yes, I you know, it, I will agree with you on that. Like that was a movie that, you know, that that was a movie theater experience back now. 13 years ago so imagine the technology that they used 13 years was already revolutionary for this film and now give us an avatar 2022 version i feel like that's worth revisiting back in the theater for sure yeah i'm here for i'm totally here for all of that uh, oh my god yes uh so it, yeah like i said it's not often i want to but this one yeah i think <laughs> it sold me it's like you said a remastered like all right you got all it right. <laughs> said the magic word yeah, and, and also, like, all right, now we're just giving you more money to the already most successful movie ever, like, the at least money-wise, in the box office that has over $2 billion, like, $2.6 or something billion. Dollars. Disney's just, just raking it in. <laughs> <laughs> they know what they're doing. Um, and hopefully, you know, this is also an interesting sign because this is going to be now the first sequel of four more films that they have five Avatar films total. So this, I think a lot of eyes are going to be in this movie to see, does this franchise warrant four sequels? Um, and so my, I'm, I'm very interested into this for sure. And I'm sure a lot of other people are as well. Exactly. Uh, uh, moving on to Paramount Pictures, they announced titles for their upcoming films. The upcoming uh, A Quiet Place prequel 
have been officially titled, or has been officially titled, A Quiet Place Day One, directed by Michael Cernofsky, and will be coming to theaters September 22nd, 2023. So we're still like a year and a half away from that, but at least if anything, we now kind of know what his movie's going to be about, just based on the title, which is Day One, which we kind of got a peek of, Ernesto, in A Quiet Place Part Two. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, didn't we already go? Did, hadn't we already seen day one? Or I guess we're just going to see somewhere else. I, I guess. I, I, I mean, to your point, I think honestly seeing it through John Krasinski's and his family's perspective in, in the second movie was good enough for me. But maybe there's a lot more. Maybe we can maybe get answers of how these aliens came to Earth, maybe. It's going to be hard to top that. That yeah, was pretty, true. That was a pretty, pretty good scene of the movie. <laughs> he has a lot of shoes to fill, you know, that's yeah. for sure. Um, also, Mission Impossible 7 has officially been titled Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, and that will hit theaters July 14, 2023. So we know that we know that there's a Mission Impossible 8, uh, 7 and 8, and I guess maybe Part 1 is signaling the finale of sorts for the Mission Impossible franchise. Um, because it says Dead Reckoning Part 1, so interesting title there. Um, And finally, from Lionsgate, uh, they announced that the Hunger Games prequel film titled The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes will be given a November 17th, 2023 release date. So did did you read the prequel book? You did. did. Is it good? It's really good. It's a really really good story. Yeah, think of like a – it's – you remember Snow, the bad guy? Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's like his 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 story of how he be of how he started. So I, and I guess why he became the way that he is. So do you? I I mean, I'm not sure if this is spoiling anything, but do you feel maybe more sympathetic, or do you feel like, oh yeah, no, this is the bad dude when it comes to that? Both of those things. Okay. <laughs> Both. So I'm like, who? It's a, no, it's a good book. It is a really good book. Okay. Uh, I am intrigued. I am, I'm not sure if I want to go and read the, I wasn't too thrilled about how this, the, at least the movies ended. I'm sorry. Are are they? I've read all the Hunger Games books. They're, the books are way better, way better. I I remember loving the first movie and I thought the second movie was even, I think it topped it. Uh, and then like Mockingjay part one and two, it just didn't do it for me. I was like, it ended kind of flat. I think it's because they came around around Harry Potter when they started splitting the final mm-hmm. story into two movies, trying to stretch mm-hmm. it out. That was a movie that easily could have been just just one. Two of those movies could have just easily been one. Mm-hmm. Instead of you know now you have four movies instead of three. Um, uh, yeah, obviously Harry Potter kind of started it, and then you had uh, Twilight that also did it yeah. as well. They br- branched out. Um, but yeah, and then lastly from uh, uh, Lionsgate, uh, Ana de Armas is confirmed to star in the John Wick spinoff movie, uh, Ballerina. She will play a young female assassin who seeks revenge against the people who killed her father, which, I'm sorry, who killed her family, which is, you know, very similar to the John Wick story. The, the, the byline or the synopsis is clear cut, but I will say, Ernesto, that watching her in No Time to Die, I am 100% to see her lead a movie and yeah. being the badass that she was i'm totally here for it yeah and i'd even know there was even they're even making a spinoff movie for, for so does John that mean Wick. that so does that mean that she has a cameo in the next one to set her up oh uh, that's a good question i i think that john wick four and five are already confirmed so maybe 
maybe she could appear in four, have her solo movie, and then maybe be a bigger part in five. Maybe she's a bigger part in four solo movie, and then another big role in five. That it, it, I don't have no idea what her role is in the future of the franchise, but uh, based Guess on we're gonna find I, out. <laughs> I know, right? We're not gonna not see John Wick. Exactly. Um, but basically, from from what I saw from No Time to Die, that was like a clear yes. I am a hundred percent on board of you leading like an action packed, a crazy action packed movie like like the John Wick franchise. Uh, and there you go. That's a wrap from CinemaCon twenty twenty twelve. I'm sorry, twelve twenty twenty twelve. That's a wrap for CinemaCon twenty twenty two. A lot of information got dumped out there from all major studios. So uh, even when I was like posting them on social media, I was like, "Damn, give me a break, all right? I get it. A lot of <laughs> announcements coming out. Um, but yeah, that's what you can look forward to. A lot of announcements mainly for next year. But um, you know, that's what the movie studios have to offer. Um, but in other big news that happened last week, which is to me, a lot, this story just kept building on itself and building on itself. I'm like, this is getting even more interesting as each day goes by and there's like little updates on this. But Justin Lin, uh, veteran Fast and Furious director who previously directed the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious, Fast Five, Fast and Furious Six and F9 has stepped down from directing the two-part finale of Fast X and Fast and Furious 11. According to Deadline, Lin left the director's chair due to creative differences, but said in a statement he will remain as a producer. Uh, Universal has halted production, which just started a week ago from this announcement. Uh, days later, now this is where it gets interesting. Days later, the Hollywood Reporter reported that Lynn's decision to quit was a spur of the moment decision driven by differences of opinion over the script, where Lynn considered the script finished. D- uh, Vin Diesel and Universal apparently disagreed. The conflict apparently came to a head when Diesel showed up with additional notes on April 23rd, leading to a shouting match that ended with a slammed door. Yikes. That's interesting. Like, I mean, for the fact that he's been a, a part of this franchise this whole time, and now we're coming up together and we're wrapping the story up with a two-part film, like finale of, of movies with 10 and 11, and first week into filming, you're like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with this. What if he's like, do you see how shit nine was? Like, I don't want to do that for the end. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Nine was not great. And, and you know, it's weird because, like, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift was a good movie. Great Fast movie. and Fur- yeah, Fast and Furious was, was good, not not great. But then Fast Five, that's what really that's what really revolutionized the franchise. So now he came back for six and it almost felt like that when he came back for nine, it almost felt like he didn't want to do it. Yeah, it was like he maybe he watched nine and did it again. It's like I think I'm done. Like I think mm-hmm. he's he probably feels like he's tapped out everything he needs to tap out from that franchise. And and it's interesting because just a couple of days before news broke that he, you know, officially stepped down, I did read like I'm not sure if this was true or not, but I did read like a little snippet of an article that he was quoted saying that he would love because everyone wants the franchise to keep going wilder and crazier and and he came out and said he actually wants this the franchise to take a step back. He wanted he wanted to go back to its roots of you know which when is, they were which probably was a good would have been a great idea. 
I think so. Like, you know, maybe scaling it back down more, make it more of a grounded film. Um, and it's just very interesting that he, that apparently from this article, he said that, and then now he stepped down, which maybe they want to go even, maybe Universal and Diesel was like, no, 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 these movies make billions when we go crazy. So. And maybe that's what they realize. Like they realize, and maybe their view is like, we know what the movie is. Like, it's not one of those, it's not that kind of movie. It's meant to be this outlandish, crazy action action-packed mm-hmm. thing with cars like with you know everybody's got like superhero skin and shit like <laughs> nobody nobody get hurt nobody explodes physics don't matter which is uh, fine <laughs> right which, which is fine but it's crazy when you think about it because yeah we went from street racing and stealing dvds to now espionage full-on thrillers that has really nothing to do with where this film originally started or this franchise originally started from. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see where directions they take it. Obviously, you know, I'm, I am a fan of the frat franchise. I will say that in, as we already know, Ernesto, um, that F nine was a little bit of a disappointment. It didn't, yeah. it was crazy. Right. But the story was, was, was ridiculous. Like, and it like, was we're, really we're, ridiculous. We, they even spent part of the movie, uh, Tyrese and Ludacris spent a part of the movie talking about how ridiculous shit is in their world. Like they literally yes. spent part of the movie doing that. Absolutely. And so, and like, it's almost like the movie in itself was being meta, but also they, they, they didn't care. And they're like, we're just going to write in the script anyway. And it became a little corny. And then it's yeah. like, like it, part of the fun was when you were taking yourself seriously, but not too seriously. And now it feels like we're not even taking ourselves seriously at all, and we're like, like uh, and I'm not gonna get into it. The script was horrible. Um, did not like just get bring Transformers in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like at this point, let's get either go grounded or just go off the walls nuts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but following all of those news, uh, Universal moved very quickly to find a new director. As earlier this week, it was announced that Louis um, Lect Let Letterier. Let Letterier, I believe his uh, his name is the Sorry. director. Be yeah, uh, or Louis Letterier. Let's yeah, one of one of one of his last name. Uh, anyway, he's the director behind Transporter One and Two, The Incredible Hulk, Clash of the Titans, and Now You See Me. Uh, will replace Justin Lin as the director of the next Fast and Furious installment. Sources say that Letterier um, was Universal's top choice. Uh, scheduling has has to still be worked out with some of the, uh, from uh, some some of his other projects. Uh, so no deal has closed just yet. So Ernesto, what are your thoughts on him now coming into the franchise? I mean, I love Transporter, and mm-hmm. and now you see me is a great movie. So uh, he's got some good movies in there, but it, it's a little bit it's a not exactly the exact style of what Fast was. So. It'll be interesting to see what 10 and 11 look like because the style is, is going to be very different. Yeah, I will agree to that. It, it, it does – I mean I liked I, – I actually, despite other people might say, I really liked The Incredible Hulk. I thought that was a good movie. Um, and I'm a, I'm a fan of Clash of the Titans. It definitely had some sort of like um, interesting stylistic choices to it. And I will agree. Now You See Me was a great movie. So, great plot. 
great plot too. So maybe I don't. Maybe a part of the agreement is like, hey, you can direct this movie, but don't you fucking touch that script, all right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. This so, is the family. Yeah, <laughs> you're part of the family now. Come over here. We got Jason Momoa. We got Brie Lawson. You know Tyrese and Ludacris. You go. We got Michelle Rodriguez and that chick. I don't remember her name, but she's from Game of Thrones. We got her too. Um, <laughs> Just, we're all part of the family now. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, I, you know what's weird? No word of if John Cena's returning. We know uh, Ch- uh, Charlize Theron's returning, but John Cena's like, one's enough. Like, <laughs> I did my stint. I'm good. I'm good. I, was I mean, he's friend. Peacemaker now. He's in DC now. He's so true. Way, he's doing way other shit. <laughs> and he's probably do, he's doing a better job at Peacemaker than he did in, in Fast, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, new director for the Fast franchise. Very interested to see where that moves on from there. I'm assuming that now they have a new director, production will be moving soon. Also, it was uh, I believe it was rude because of the delays now um, on in production. I believe this is now the most expensive movie ever? Question mark with 300 million dollars invested into Fast Ten. So. Yikes! That's, that's a lot a, of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah, like and and put put in perspective, most movies get about a hundred million dollar budget. Um, maybe in some of like maybe the Marvel movies get a two hundred million dollar budget. Um, so the fact <laughs> that this is two a hundred million dollars more than a Marvel movie, I'm sorry, man, you're not Marvel status uh, fast, but. Yeah, this is an end game. <laughs> this is an end game. Like, like you gotta like pull out all the stops here. Like, if you're spending three hundred million dollars in a movie, there better be fucking Transformers, <laughs> or, or 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 Jurassic or or dinosaurs, whichever one first. Um. So, so yeah. So there's that. Um. Anyway, that's all I the, mean, the f- to to give you to let you gauge. Like, end game costs three hundred and fifty six million dollars to make. Was that in a combination of Infinity War and Endgame, or just Endgame? No, Endgame. Infinity War was three sixteen. Uh, oh wow! Okay. Spider-Man: No Way Home was two hundred, and Ultron: Age of Ultron was actually three sixty-five. That's crazy. <laughs> okay, so maybe not the most expensive movie then. Maybe that was a false thing that I had read. Uh, but definitely high. It's definitely high. No, but but it puts it into perspective. Like, this movie is not going to be on the level that those movies are. Oh, absolutely not. No, 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 no. Like, yes, you're going to have your, you know, your your fan base going to see Fast. And it might be Universal's biggest property. Uh, uh, no, I take that back. Jurassic Park is probably Universal's biggest yeah. uh, uh, franchise. And then probably next is, Univer- uh, is next is Fast. But then again, Fast has more movies on it than Jurassic Park. So you can play with that numbers if you want to. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I understand Universal putting a lot of money into it. But at the same time, you know. It's not that serious, is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So yeah. Um, on on the topic of directors stepping down, director John Watts has stepped down from directing Marvel's upcoming Fantastic Four film. Uh, Watts said in a statement, he needs a break from the superhero realm after directing all three films from the MCU Spider-Man trilogy. That's um, Homecoming, Far uh, Far From Home, and No Way Home. Um, he says, I'm internally grateful to have been a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe for seven years. I'm hopeful we'll work together again, and I can't wait to see the amazing vision 
for Fantastic Four. Uh, oh, I can't wait to see the amazing vision of Fantastic Four brought to life. Marvel President Kevin Feige said, We understand and are supportive of his reasons for stepping down. A little bit of a depressing news there. Uh, well, I would say it's hopeful because mm. maybe he realized, maybe he re- going into it, he realized that his heart is not in it and that he's not going to be able to give it the same justice that he gave Spider-Man. I I like that reasoning. I I can get behind that. And you're and you you know you're probably right because we saw how much heart he put into the Spider-Man movies and those were great. I mean, yeah. and maybe maybe to his credit, like he's like, look, as far as superheroes are concerned, Spider-Man No Way Home is a is a tough act to follow. Yeah. Like may, maybe you know give another director a chance to 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 step on the mantle and and I think that uh, bringing in John Watts is a safe choice to you know headline the Fantastic Four because that's a massive property for Marvel but at the same time you know I understand you know if, if, if the reasoning is he wants a break from superheroes and he's not going to be in his heart into it you can't you can't help but to respect that. You know who I would love to see Fantastic Four is the Daniels, the guy who's just the guys who oh, just, just did it. everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. Seeing them handle that kind of multiverse property, I think that they would do Fantastic Four justice. justice. Um, so I actually I was talking to Chris about this when the news broke, and he told me, "What about Brad Bird, who directed The Incredibles?" Uh, I, I that's, that's true. That's he's already, kind of he's already handled a superhero family. Yeah, and so like, why not bring? And The Incredibles was an amazing movie. Absolutely. So, uh, so the I can. Second one I, was just as good too. Yeah, I, that's fair. Very true. I did like, enjoy the second one. Uh, I, I think the first one still holds up a little bit. Of you course. Know. Yeah, of yeah. Course. But the second one was also a great follow up. Uh, but that's a good point. You know, uh, the Daniels would be great at it. Um, I, I honestly, I would love to see. Um, you know, the people who does who does uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse, uh, Phil Lord and, and Chris Miller. Um, take Ooh. a stab at the Fantastic Four. I, I love what they do over there, and I'm not sure if they're going for a comedic take because they're more of comedy. Um, but like their vision, um, I, I can totally see them doing good good work there. Um, so I guess we'll have to see what happens. Uh, who's the new director of Fantastic Four? Um, I'm you know honestly I'm hoping for somebody new. I don't I don't want them to pull someone who's already directed a Marvel movie. I kind of want to yeah. see. Like give give us because this is like a very you know new franchise that Marvel's going to be building. Let's get new directors on board to do this. Yeah, let's let's see a director who's done something, who's proven himself in other films. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not a that's a non superhero film, and then let's bring that person in. Yeah, they totally. use that. I mean, they when they do that, that usually works. Yeah, I mean, hell, I mean, we see that we saw that with you know Joss Whedon for the Avengers. We saw that with um, Ryan the, Coogler. Ryan Coogler for Black Panther, James Gunn for Guardians, the Russo brothers who ended up giving us, they started at Winter Soldier and then, then they gave us Endgame. So yeah. now, you know, it, it, Marvel's really good at finding those directors that can hone in on like to get, to give their own creative style. And I feel like Fantastic Four is another one of those that can have a creative style. Look at Taika Waititi, what he did for Thor. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Another great example. Absolutely. So hopefully they can go in that direction uh, moving forward with that. Um, uh, moving on to director John M. Chu um, announced on social media uh, his, that his upcoming adaptation of the musical Wicked will be split into two parts. He is directing the film, uh, of course. Uh, Universal Pictures released 
the first Wicked movie will be released on December 25th, 2024. Wow. So that's like uh, two and a half years away from that. Uh, the Wicked movie will, the second Wicked movie will debut exactly one year later on December 25th, 2025. So that's uh, even longer away. Um, and you know what? I respected this decision. Um, wrote, uh, True wrote in a statement. As we try to cut songs and trim characters, those decisions began to feel more like fatal compromises to the source material that has entertained us for all of these, all of us for so many years. Uh, we decided to give ourselves a bigger canvas. With more space, we can tell the story of Wicked as it was meant to be told, while bringing even more depth and surprise to the journeys. Uh, uh, to the journeys uh, for these beloved characters. As previously announced, Ariana Grande and Cynthia uh, Rivero um, are set... Arrivo, sorry. Um, are set to reprise their roles... Uh, set to... Hold on. <laughs> As previously announced, Ariana Grande and Cynthia Arrivo um, are set to star in the leads of uh, Glenda, Glenda and Alphaba. Did I say that right? Yeah. Glenda yeah. and Alphaba, yeah. Um, so Ernesto, your thoughts on splitting the the movie into two parts? That is musical into two parts. Yep, I mean it's the perfect reasoning because this is not a story that you could really chop up. And if they had cut characters and cut songs, I would have had the same issues I had like I did with um, In the Heights. Mm. Like, um, it just feels like you're butchering something that we've all enjoyed. Like it doesn't need to be butchered. We just need you to put it. Make it into like a movie. <laughs> yeah. And I was actually quite interested when I heard this because now a musical is being split into two parts. And it looks like everyone, including Universal, is on board with that decision. Obviously, they're willing to give them more money for it. Yeah. Um, and they're eyeing for a Christmas release. Uh, I mean, in 2024, but two Christmas releases, I should say. Um, and it sounds like they're trying to rank in on that same box office success as say the greatest showman did when it was released during the holiday season um and i think musicals also are notorious for the holiday season which makes sense because yeah you know you're already happy and joyful why not go see uh you know a musical while you're at it in the theater because a lot of people do go to the movies during the holiday season um but for a person who has never seen wicked or heard any of the music i'm very excited to see this yeah and then you know <coughs> excuse me the first one will end probably at intermission. So it'll be just like True. if we were to go watch it, it uh, live on stage. That very That's a good point. Um, you know, and John M. Chu, who was the director of Crazy Rich Asians and, of course, In the Heights. So he's very familiar with telling a great story and also working with musicals. So I am a, I'm very excited to see that. And also just also to, you know, to realize the decision to split these movies into two parts. I'm sure that wasn't an easy conversation to have with Universal because Universal could have easily been like, you know what? We're not doing that. You got we got one movie. All right. Make it work. Yeah. Uh, so it it does sound like a lot of people are taking this seriously. And I, and for, for that reason alone, I'm more excited to see this movie because I feel like more heart and soul is going to be put into what the final product is. Absolutely. Um, and lastly, to wrap up this big news week, we have, what do you know, more delays and, uh, <laughs> and cancellations. Um, uh, first, the, the, Marvel, the Captain Marvel sequel and Ant-Man 3 have swapped release dates. Uh, the Ant-Man and the Wasp 
Quantum Mania will re- now be released on February 17, 2023, while the Marvels is now scheduled to release July 28th, 2023. And the reason behind that is very simple: that Ant Man, <clears throat> excuse me, Ant Man three is further in production and moving further along, and the Marvels is still need some more work in post production. So they already have the dates in. Just switch them. Why not? Yeah. As long um, as it works as far as the Marvel timeline. That's right, exactly. About. That's very true. And, and it sounds like it, that swapping them would be just fine. Yeah. Um, Universal and Illumination Entertainment's upcoming adaptation of Nintendo's Super Mario Bros. video game series has been delayed to 2023, which is sad. Uh, the Super Mario Bros. animated film was originally set... Uh, to be released on December 21st of this year, 2022, targeting a theatrical run through the holiday season. But it will now hit theaters April 7th, 2023. So now we're going to get those spring breakers instead of the holiday season. Which, I don't know, I feel like the holiday season would have probably fared a little bit better for this movie rather than spring of next year. It absolutely was, but it just seems like they they did it to push up Puss in Boots or in that spot. E- Unless they were having delays in production, so they probably pushed it back to another viable spot, which would be springtime. Which, you know, I guess is also a good movie for spring breakers to go watch when you take the kids out to go see the movies. That's um, true. But I, holiday season would have fared, I, in my opinion, would have fared a lot better there. Um, yeah, I agree. It would have been in competition, however, with... When did when is that Avatar movie coming out? Um, I just let me oh, go back on my notes here. Is it that weekend? Uh, it would have been the weekend after. So Avatar The Way of Water comes out December 16th. So it, it oh, just would have it been the next. It doesn't want to I... compete. So it thinks that it, it can stand on its own. So they slid in a movie that's would probably, it's going to do okay anyway, but it's yeah. not going to be something that they're trying to like boast up like the Super Mario Brothers movie. So that makes that makes a lot of sense. That does make a lot of sense, actually. Um, but in, in with that... Um, that with Mario moving, leaving a hole for the holiday season for Universal, the studio decided to move the release date of DreamWorks Animation's Puss and Boots, The Last Wish, The Last Wish, from its original release date of September 23rd, 2022. It will be now re-released on December 21st, 2022. Which I feel like a movie like that will probably do better in the holiday season. I think any animated movie does probably better in the holiday season. Um, did you catch the trailer for that? That actually doesn't look that bad. That looks okay. I didn't watch. I haven't watched any of the Puss in Boots movies. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, I did. I don't remember the original, but I do like Puss in Boots as a character, and I think the the idea of like you a cat has nine lives and he's on his last one. That's an interesting story to go behind with with an animated film. So I'm curious about it. Um, And lastly, to cancellations. It's that time of year again where multiple TV networks and streaming service are giving the axe on popular TV shows. The biggest one that come out of this, the CW canceled DC's Legends of Tomorrow after seven seasons and Batwoman after three seasons. Netflix canceled Space Force, which is about time. uh, (laughs) Raising (laughs) One season too long. (laughs) I know, right? Um, Space Force, Raising Dion, and The Babysitter's Club after two seasons, along with Archive 81 and Pretty Smart after one season. I know Ernesto watched Pretty Smart and said he enjoyed it, but I'm sorry, sir. It's yep. gone. Never e- I've literally never even heard of it. 
Um, Amazon Prime Video canceled I Know You Did Last Summer, which was a either reboot of the popular horror film after one season. And lastly, NBC canceled Good, Gir- Good Girls that was airing there for a while after four seasons. I know Megan liked that show, so she wasn't too happy to hear about that. Um, but let's go back to the bigger one, DC's Legends of Tomorrow and Batwoman. Mainly Legends of Tomorrow. Seven seasons? Now, I would hope that they're going to at least give them a proper send-off, because seven seasons, Mm -hmm. that's a good run. I mean, that's a good run for a TV show. But the the thing is, though, you know, that the fact, and I'm mentioning these these TV shows specifically because it's canceled. They're not they're not deciding to end it. Like it's not like we're ending on four, they're gonna have a chance to wrap it up. It seems like they're not gonna have a chance to wrap it up. Yikes. Or it depends so, on how did they end how did they end the last ends, season. Did it already that's a good end point it? too. Did they end it knowing that this might be their last season, you know? Yeah, that that's a good point. And the same hopefully for Batwoman too, because I know that has been having a lot of struggle behind the scenes for many years when Obviously, when um, Ruby uh, Rose Ru- left, Ruby exactly, and and that whole situation, and then they had a new uh, Batwoman, uh, like an African American black, uh, a black Batwoman, and so I've heard that it was better after that, but I personally never saw the show myself, so I don't know if you know whether how the stages of good or bad was, but. To me, I, I I am more surprised of Legends of Tomorrow. I mean, it's been, had such a long run, and I for the season that I did see, I really enjoyed it. And it's kind of goofy, so yeah, I I like the first couple seasons. I yeah. mean, I dropped I dropped off before the the big uh, crossover. Oh, okay, right, right. And so now it looks like you know with Supergirl gone and ended last year, and now DC's Legends of Tomorrow and Arrow has already left. You know, it feels like that. Uh, Air Flash is the only one that's holding it down. What else? I guess I, maybe they're just they're just straying away from the from the DC TV era, like that era is finishing. Yeah, you know? I mean, you still have Supergirl. No, I'm sorry, not Supergirl. Uh, Star Girl. Yeah, still have Star Girl. Superman and Lois. Superman and Lois. Um, Flash. Is it the Flash? Is that is that the only three? I thought there was one. Oh, Black Lightning. I think that's still on and the Black air. Black Lightning, yeah. Yeah. So you still have those shows if you want to, you know, keep the DC brand alive over on the CW. But it does feel like that they're having a lot of. It's not surprising that you know HBO Max is trying to booster their DC TV shows, and the CW is not doing as well, you know, and they're canceling their those shows. So. It almost feels like that maybe funding's not going there appropriately. Maybe they're like, hey, we're going to not put funding into those shows and we're going to allocate those funds and put it into HBO Max shows like Peacemaker and uh, now the upcoming uh, The Penguin show that's got that got approved and stuff like that. So, um, so I, every show needs to come to an end. But to your point... I hope that they are given a chance to end, you know, properly, or at least how season seven ended. Hopefully, they can do so, yeah. uh, because seven seasons—it's a lot of commitment for a person to watch. And if you don't end that appropriately, you're going to piss off a lot of people. And especially that each season is like a 23, 24 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. That's oh no, I'm sorry. I think Legends of Tomorrow was the one of the shorter ones. It was either oh, they did scale it back. Was it was it sixteen? Uh, I can check. 60. I can check real quick, but yeah, I mean, I, I maybe you're right. Maybe they did, you know, back off a little bit for for legends. Uh, let's see here. Well, IMDb is not helping me right now. They're like, do you want? Do you, no, I don't want that. Uh, let's see. There we go. 
110 episodes. That's a lot. Um, the first season was 16. The second season, 17. The third season was 18. The fourth season was 16. So, yeah, so they had 16 episodes-ish. Uh, 15 for season 5. Um, 15 for season 6. And it appears that season 7 is going to be... Well, as of right now, the last episode was in March. And with 13 episodes. So I wonder if that was... Was that the season finale? Or do they have a couple more on... I guess that is. I guess that was the series finale. <laughs> I, ho- I, ho- I hope not. <laughs> um, hopefully they might be given some a chance to wrap it up. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, look, they did have a break, and then they came back. and may- Maybe the episodes are still ongoing. Maybe they're not 100% done just yet. But anyway. Um, anyway, so there you go. That's all the news we have for you guys this week. A lot of news that happened this week. Um, so... Uh, so yeah, as as always, you can find out all the latest and breaking news on our social media channels on Instagram at Box Office underscore Bingers and on Facebook at Box Office Bingers. We'll post them over there first, and then we'll come back uh, and talk about it here on the show. So with that, we're going to move over to a fun segment we like to call "What You're Watching." So Ernesto, we'll start with you. What have you been watching? So uh, I have it on my list, but I don't remember if I told you I finished it. Did I tell you I finished Peacemaker? You did. You did finish. Yeah, you did say that. Okay. Never mind. Well, I finished that. Uh, I did. I started uh, Dope Sick. Well, I'm sorry. Oh, let's run for a second. Maybe I think you were on the last episode of Peacemaker. I de- I finished it. I definitely okay. finished it. Yeah. I, okay. Uh, I, re- I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I finally got to see the, the cameo at the end. Oh, I must have because me and you talked about the cameo at the end. Yeah, I think we did talk. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we might have mentioned it. But either way, y- y- you like you like Peacemaker. I finished it. Um it it was better. It was actually better than I expected. I, I okay, guess I I had enough. my bar. I had my bar a lot lower, but it ended up being really good. I'm excited to see what they do for season two and mm-hmm. if and how the 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 opening intro is going to change because some of those oh, people yes. are not there anymore. <laughs> that's, that's so true. Yeah, I I would like to see. Uh, part of me wants to see the same intro, but part of me also wants to see a much. Like let let's do it again because it was very fun to watch. Yeah, no, let's do it again. But then maybe every season it'll change to who's relevant in that season. Oh, fair enough. Okay, I understand. Uh, and then I started Dope Sick, that Michael okay. Keaton show on Hulu. Man, mm-hmm. it is really good and really really dark. It just it goes into depth about what uh, Purdue Pharma what they went through to try to get OxyContin on the market. Mm. Kind of like. A lot of shady, underhanded shit that went into this drug going into production and ultimately what started the opioid epidemic here in the United States. So it's it's really well done. Um, it's got a lot of oh, – there's another guy. I can't remember his name. He's really good. Uh, uh, but it's Michael Keaton. Uh, I think it's Peter Skarsgård. Yeah. Oh, okay. P- Peter Sarsgaard. Sars- uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. He, was, he play, He's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, I, I remember obviously oh, during the go ahead. Will oh I'm sorry Peter Skarsgård and Will Poulter Will Poulter was the one who was oh Will Poulter was, oh that's yeah. right he's gonna be in the new Guardians movie that's right yeah he he is really good I mean he's I think he's great in almost everything he does but he's mm-hmm. really really good in this show this show is really well done like the writing is good like it's it's just it's just the they, the way they craft the story like it mm-hmm. keeps you engaged all the way through. 
There is a um, – I know that during award season that Dope Sick got a lot of accolades, and Michael Keaton won, I believe, a lot of TV awards for his uh, for his role in Dope Sick. So um, I it I, I it had my it kept it had my attention of wanting to watch it, but again, it's one of those shows that I know the subject matter is a little bit tough, and so you're gonna have to have like the time and place to watch it. But I would even say with stuff like I know how usually we kind of put disclaimer on stuff like this, but I feel like it's not it's not viewed it's heavy but it's not it's not heavy on you to watch the way that they write it um it's it it makes it it's, it doesn't seem as dark that, that that it actually is. Okay, okay, fair enough. But it but it did win the Screen Actors Guild Awards in 2022. Michael Keaton won. It actually won a Golden Globe in 2022. Michael Keaton oh. won, and then it was nominated for Best Limited TV Series. Okay, and I think that didn't win. I think a lot of the limited series went to other shows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, that's interesting. I mean, I'll, I'll, I, I feel it's one of those shows that I'll, I'll put on the list uh, because I have I was I was interested in watching it. I did hear a lot of good things about it. Very good. Yeah, it's really good. So and then you know, this past weekend was my wedding anniversary, mm-hmm. so we decided to do a double feature. So fun. I picked one movie and she picked one movie. So she picked the Leah Nisa movie Memory. Okay. I have no memory of this movie. Like it was so <laughs> bad. <laughs> It's such a weird, like it. Okay, like it started good, like a typical Liam Neeson, like assassin, like beating people up, fucking people up type of movie. Yeah. And the movie is about like they, he's he's trying to they he's set on a job to kill this girl, but he doesn't want to do it. So these other guys go to get him, and then he loses his pills that keep his like dementia at bay. So then, so then the movie the movie's called Memory. So it's it's. Hinged on the fact that he's losing his memory. That doesn't happen until about three quarters into the way of the movie. <laughs> like I was like, isn't this movie like almost done? <laughs> and then oh god, it's like the finale is just weird. Like Liam Neeson just does something out of left field. You're like, where the fuck did he go? Isn't he the main <laughs> character of this movie? Like okay, I'm gonna give a mini mini spoiler. There's that's a, fine. I'm, I'm not gonna watch it. It's fine. There's a scene where he's in the car and he's talking to another main character. I don't even remember if it was a male or female. Like he's talking to a, the other supporting actor and yeah. he's like, you gotta you gotta go after the girl. They're gonna get him. And then he already escaped, so they've got guns drawn on him, so that he just gets out of the car and gets blasted. Mind you, he's the main character of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! It was just not. It was just not good. It was not uh, good. It's that's the. I, I feel like it's one thing seeing a not good movie at home. It's another to see a not good movie in the theater. Because then it feel like you just wasted a part of your day. Now we took a nap. It was good. We, ate, <laughs> we had lunch. We, we ate lunch, and then maybe that was the interesting part, is that we were eating, so we were doing something while we were watching this really bad movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what it was like. No, it was, a, it was a good nap, though. Yeah, it was, it it was, was, a, it was a good nap. It was a solid good nap. nap. Solid nap. And then for the evening, we went, to, we went back to the theater, but they were playing Everything Everywhere all at once, um, but they were playing it in the Dolby Theater. Oh. So I got to tuck Hannah to see it. Uh, I mean, I still enjoyed it. She she liked it, but I think yeah. she I think I definitely enjoyed it more than she did. She was like, it was good. 
It was a little weird, but it was good. <laughs> it's as we said last week. You know, we said a lot of things last week. To be sure to, if you hadn't already, and you somehow skipped that episode for some strange reason, uh, go back and listen to our review and everything everywhere all at once. But I will say that you know, as we said last week, it's an acquired taste for sure. There's there's a lot that's going on in that movie. I can understand why maybe some people might not be a fully on board with it. Yeah, um, but I'm here some people. <laughs> but I, I, so am I. Yeah, I, mean, I was here. Like you can, like as long as the script is amazing, you can go in left field and have a, such an amazing movie. Yeah, because you can um, write yourself back. You can make it work. Ex- exactly. Uh, but I can understand what what was being presented on screen. Maybe not be for everybody. Remember, they were talking rocks. So that's true. <laughs> See, but that's like I mean, uh, we could, that's a, go listen to last week. But I know, I know. I still, I still loved it. Uh, it was still super enjoyable. Still, what. Easily one of my favorite movies of the year. So, I can agree to that. Yeah, that, uh, I, I'm sure toward the end of the year when we do our 2022 recap, that movie is going to be mentioned again for sure. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, we saw the first two episodes of Moon Knight. Oh, so okay. good. You finally, I, 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 yeah, finally diving into it. I will say, I do think I don't. It it just it seems like some of the CGI is like not the greatest. Yep, I I'm glad you said something. Yes, I, I right um, like yes. I'm try- like I'm almost like maybe it's just me, <laughs> but like there were some parts I was like, it doesn't seem like the CGI stud. <laughs> yeah, I I had the same feeling. I so I've been watching Moon Knight in the background. Um, I haven't mentioned it on the podcast, but since next week will be a Marvel episode, um, I was just gonna wait until next week to mention it. But to your credit, yes, I do agree with you that it felt like that the cgi wasn't finished yet right like i don't know it's like i felt like i felt like you needed to go back and re-render some shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i i will say that the for me anyway the first three episodes not, so the finale just aired tonight uh, or today as we're recording this episode um so i've been watching week to week um and I will say that the first three episodes, I, I so I really like the first episode. The first episode was solid. Yeah. The second and the third episode for me was like, okay, we reached the halfway point now. I'm like, I don't exactly know where we're going with this. Like, I like what I see. I kind of like where we're going, but I still don't know exactly what exactly what we're doing here. Then episode four happened. And I was like, okay, all right. Well, now we're getting something. And then episode five expanded on that. So now going into the finale, I, you know, without watching it just yet, I'm very curious on how they're going to wrap it up. Because the only downside I feel like with these Marvel shows is that six episodes is too short. Like, I, I feel like that by the time we got to episode, by the time we get to episode six, it's like, this could have been eight. This could have been 10. Like, I feel like there's still a lot more story to be told, but we're limiting ourselves with six episodes. So leading into the finale, I'm very curious how they're going to wrap all this up. Okay. Okay. Uh, but uh, I'm enjoying it. I th- yeah, you said you I liked mean, it. I liked it. I just think this. I just just the one thing that threw me off was the was like the CGI film. Like, like there was like logs. Like somebody got hit with the logs coming down while they're driving around the street. I was like, I mean, that looks like an animated log. Like it's clear. Yeah. <laughs> that's, clear that's clearly animated. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that when Moon Knight appears in the suit, it doesn't look fully finished either. 
Yeah, like it, it does feel like that. There's like a little bit of a jitter. Like we could have, you know, you could have delayed the movie, like the show, like another week or something if you want to like touch it up a little bit. We're not going to be mad at you for that. Like, come on, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're Marvel. Let's let's. You've done good so far. Let's not just don't disappoint me now. And also, we watch the first episode of the second part of Ozark. Woo! Woo! Damn. Oh, man. Damn, they found a way to come back strong. Like the first, like I'm just so excited to see how they're gonna end this series. I we we watched the first two episodes. Uh, no, I'm sorry, the first three episodes so far. And um, and I I so far again that first episode back. Like I'm literally yell like not yelling, but like I'm talking with Megan's like I don't I don't know what's I don't, what is she gonna do? I have no idea. Like, like what else is what else is gonna happen? Like this is just gonna set off a chain reaction of a bunch of other crazy shit. It's funny because you know Ruth. I don't want to spoil anything, but it, th- that episode was all about Ruth, yeah. and I thought because it was all about Ruth, we were to go in one direction. I know what the show was leading into. I'm like, I don't know. Like they did such an amazing job with tension. Like I yes. was on the edge of my seat because I truly didn't know what the events were going to happen. Like what was going to happen next? I was so could have like, went either oh. way. Could literally could have went either way, um, and the, and the fact that this is the finale, like all bets are off. Anything can happen, really. Oh and, yeah, we are in the end game. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yes, we are. Um, and the next two episodes, I feel like as far as like intensity, like I think they got us really good, like a hook. Like this is your hook back into the show, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but the next two episodes dim it down a bit, but it's so good. Like, like, you know, really dark, just tied all just tied all this shit together. Well, I feel like they're they're like because the the finale kinda ended, or at least hell, scratch that. That first episode ended on such like a high note. It felt like a climax almost. And so now we're getting the falling action from those moments. Oh, okay. And, okay. and so that's kind of what we're getting at. So, like, I feel like that was a high, and the next few episodes we're going to go down, and then at some point we're going to shoot it back up again, and then probably bring it back down for the ending of the series. So I, we, I, we're probably going to finish it before next time we record. That's, like, a, almost a guarantee. We are so <laughs> locked in. We're locked into this show. Uh, and other than that, uh, we took the kids to go see the Bad Guys movie. Uh, no. Norman Walkwell, Aquafina, Craig Robertson. Um, and it was my daughter Bella. It was her first time taking her to the theater. And I think that was a fun experience in it all on its own. <laughs> she actually, she actually did pretty, she actually did pretty good. I mean, she like was watching the previews and then like she started clapping. She was like, yay. <laughs> somebody, and you know what? I'm a... I'm a proponent about being quiet in the theater, but this is a children's movie in the middle of the afternoon on a Sunday. Yeah. And you're going to, like, the movie starting, shh, oh, hush, this is a kid's movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm watching like... Silence of the Lambs. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> like, like as, as you just said, we, you and I, we are movie theater goers. We love the movie theater experience. We want a nice, quiet, pleasant experience. That's a Marvel movie, right? Like, when I walk into a Marvel movie, I'm like, everyone shut the fuck up, all right? Yeah, let's, that's let's, different. That's different. Like, let's clap when it's appropriate. Let's cheer. We, we're all excited to be here, but no one fucking talk, all right? These are my movies now. This is my telenovelas on the screen right now. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to, say, you know, 
like a children's movie, uh, like especially a kid's if a animated kid, movie. Right. Like if, if you if you hear a kid crying in the corner, like you can't be mad at that. Like that's what you signed up for when you walked into the theater. Okay, so I'll even give a concession. I think if your okay. kid is screaming and crying, you need to get your kid out the fucking theater. <laughs> but I think if <laughs> kids out. are enjoying themselves and laughing and clapping, and maybe you know, I'll even say talking because there's only so much you can control little kids. Sure. Like, like I'll even take a little bit of talking. Like you can't help their general excitement when they see a film. Like, but that's part of us helping wrangle them in. But mm-hmm. you don't need to shush them like you're at the fucking Met Gala. Like get the <laughs> fuck out. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like it's not that serious. <laughs> uh, the no, there she is now. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> she's like, I got I got opinions about this movie, like, Dad. That's right, Dad. <laughs> that's right. Tell them. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him <laughs> you should uh, bring but, her I, on. but I but I really liked it. My son, you know, he kind of gave me the lowdown because he's actually read he's actually read the bad guy series. He said this right. movie is like the first nine books put together into one movie. Oh my god! Yeah, but there's you know there's shorter there's shorter kids chapter books. Oh, okay. I was about to say like nine, you squeeze nine movies nine stories into one movie i mean and the movie was not that long it's like an hour 40 it's hour 47 but it was but it, you know i re- i actually thought it was really good i think the story was good i thought the i thought the you know the action was there the comedy the comedy was there i didn't see a lot of like overt like adult you know sometimes you know the, yes. the typical give you adult humor within the kids movie like this was more geared towards kids like it was definitely more of just a kids film which i was totally okay with i thought the mm-hmm. jokes were were corny they were perfect for a kids movie like we don't always need adult humor in kids in kids things yeah i so i also saw the bad guys and i will say to your point it is a very good children's movie it is yeah. it's it's fun for the whole family um but i will give it credit because like for a for an animated movie it is fast-paced it it's like it puts the foot on the on the gas and it literally. doesn't let up. It literally <laughs> and it doesn't let up for the majority of the movie. It's quick. It yeah. it moves very quickly. It's also very witty. Like I mean to have you know it's it's basically Ocean Eleven but for kids. Yes, yes, it's basically yes, what, exactly it is. what it is. Yes, yeah. exactly what it is. Also, uh, I think the animation was really fucking. Yes, cool. I agree. Like the stylized animation and also like the director. He's a first time director, but he's been an animator uh, for many uh, DreamWorks films. Uh, uh, Kung Fu Panda 1, 2, and 3, Monsters vs. Aliens, and Rise of the Guardians. Like, So he's been in the DreamWorks family for a while. So very similar to Pixar, like when you've been there for a minute and you know now it's your turn to direct a film. I think going out of the gate, he did a great job. He did a fantastic job. And you know what? The cast, I think, melded well together. And I didn't even realize that Little Piranha was Anthony Ramos. Anthony Ramos, yeah, he did a great job. Yeah, yeah. the the... Sam Rockwell was the wolf. Mark uh, Mark Marin was the snake. Aquafina that was the tra- uh, tra- the tra- tarantula. Thank you. I don't know why I couldn't say that. Um, Craig Robinson was the shark. Anthony Ramos was a piranha. Um, Zizi Bates, uh, Zazie Beats was um, um, uh, was the, the fox. The gov- yeah, the yeah. And um, uh, Richard, I don't know his last name. Our 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 roadie uh, was the guinea pig, the Professor Marmalade, um, and even um, Alex uh, Bronstein from Miss Maisel. It was uh, the chief the the chief of police. Alex Bornstein, that's right. A- Alex Bornstein, yes. And Mark um, Marin was the snake. Yes, yes. So like, I think the voice cast was fantastic. I think they did a great job. Phenomenal. Sam Rockwell did a 
like he is like that snarky like taking the leader like he's been he's been that in a, in live action and he played that role perfectly even when he had that little mustache i felt like yeah. he's been, i felt like he's been in other movies with like that little mustache in there uh he I, was but he was great he he definitely fit the role like the the role that role was him yeah i i totally agree with that um the only downside that i have with this movie was and i understand this is a children's movie ernesto but bear with me i know you're i know what you're gonna say but as an adult watching this movie i have questions okay and okay. my all the only question i have is like okay so you have humans in this world right yes you have talking animals in this world like as our main characters are yes and, and then also you have animals that don't talk that are actually animals in this world correct i'm very confused of wow. how all that is is like why why he, like we're not going to address the fact these are talking animals like are you addressing them as talking animals because you also have regular animals so like are these more evolved than the other animals like i was very confused with the world they set up and also every every talking animal that was involved in this story was a particular I, I I don't I guess bad guy so to speak so like it's every very, talking animal was a bad guy it was a bad guy yes and one yes. way or another and one way or another correct um so like I was like okay and so like honestly the way that I justify this in my head as I'm actively watching this it's like okay they're not really animals. They're just perceived as animals to the audience. They're really humans. But because they're uh, bad guys, quote unquote, they take the persona of an animal, of an apex predator. And that's 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 what got me through that movie, at least making it sense in my head. Because I was like, I was really bothered by that. I don't know why. Why, why I don't were you know, bothered by that? I don't know why, Ernesto. I told you that I had very little reason for it. No, they were clearly animals. I mean, the tarantula <laughs> pulls out a keyboard that has like enough for all her little hands to, yes. to get on. That's not a human pretending to be a tarantula. That's a fucking tarantula doing that. Um, I will say though, like toward the end, like as as a typical heist movie, um, I will like the story was very predictable. Like I I called a yeah. lot of what was going on in the movie, but again, children's movie, so just take that in mind. But the very end of the movie, like when we got like how things happened, I was like. Okay, that got me. I didn't. I didn't see that coming. As far as like what ended up happening with the meteor, the specifically. Yes. yes. I was very shocked. And, what, like, and oh. the snake. And the snake. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, okay, you got me there. You got me there, bad guys. Um, but yeah, I I enjoyed it. I as as a as an adult watching it, I I was thoroughly entertained from start to finish. Yeah. Same. Um, and uh, other than that, that's all I got. Okay, week. so yeah, we talked about I saw I saw Ozark and and the bad guys and uh, Moon Knight. We talked about that already, but I saw a documentary that's on Netflix right now called White Hot: The Rise and Fall of Amber Combrey and Fitch. Um, very interesting documentary, by the way. I did not know much about the brand uh, Amber Combrey, uh, and I'm probably saying it wrong. Am Amber Crombie? 
and Fitch. Um, but that's a really interesting story of how the, 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 the clothing store came to be and their marketing campaign as far as like who they're tailoring toward and then the allegations against them for being either racist or being very specific on who they were hiring and then how all then the brand became racist and then that became fall and then now they had new ownership and the, a little bit of a like a like a pick me up they're trying to do a rebranding right now but it's a, I mean it's, I liked it because it was like a solid documentary it was um, um, an hour and a half of a story and so I can get behind those type of documentaries instead of like the docu series that they have yeah um, but yeah, I mean the 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 way that they the way they did it was very entertaining. A lot of '90s references from it, and like the peak of Amber Combi and like how it was like drastically fell down to the ground uh, because of the practices of what they did for hiring people. Um, it was a very interesting documentary, one I did not expect to really enjoy. What is that on? Netflix, Netflix. Oh, okay. Uh, Megan wanted to watch it, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll see what's about." I was like, eh, it's "All not right, that bad. it's not that bad." Um, I also, with since I have Paramount Plus, I'm I'm getting ready to watch uh, Halo. It's almost finished, Ooh. so I'm like I'm about to do that binge. So you, you hear my thoughts about that in a little bit uh, in the coming episodes. But um, since I have Paramount Plus, I saw the Mark Wahlberg movie um, that came out last year called Infinite, and uh, it was bad, not not good. It's basically how these people can basically these people are reincarnated and so when you get reincarnated you're into a different body and then there's like a larger force out there the villain who is played by um uh chiote effa who's going to be in the new doctor strange movie um who, who was also in the first doctor strange movie in 2012 and other films of course um but he's the villain and he wants to stop like the um um he wants to stop the uh being reincarnated to other bodies because he feels like he's never going to die. Uh, so he's trying to create a device to stop all that. Um, but then Mark Wahlberg is the latest incarnation to stop him from stopping that because the only way to be, to stop that if you destroy everything, because technically if you believe in reincarnation, you can be reincarnated into an animal or a plant. And so he wants to stop all of that. So he wants to destroy the entire world and never do any of this. And it was not good. It was just like the story was all over the place. The action was boring, and that's hard to say. There was one ridiculous moment where Mark Wahlberg is literally driving on a motorcycle and on the on on a mountain, and there's a big ass plane that's flying in the air. So he's trying to catch up to a plane that's already in the air through motorbike on a mountain, and then he goes off of a cliff and lands on the top of the wing of the wing of the plane. And I was like. Oh my God, that's <laughs> that's some Fast and Furious moment, shit right there. Moment where you just say nope. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we we went there and we did it, and yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, so that was not a good movie. Uh, but something I did thoroughly enjoy again, Ernesto Apple TV Plus really giving us mm. the goods here. I saw in its entirety the After Party. Um, which is, mm, I've heard uh, of that one. yes, it's a, um, a, a murder mystery comedy, uh, directed by Christopher Miller and written and directed by Christopher Miller. Of course, he's, he's always in partnership with Phil Lloyd and he gave us 21 jump street and the Lego movie and the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And so when I saw that they were attached to a series, I'm like, yes, please. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's really funny and it's really good. 
Um, It stars um, uh, Ben Schwartz, which we know him, obviously, from Sonic um, and Parks and Rec. Um, There's another another, um, uh, actor in there that... It's like a lot of, like, you know, I wouldn't say B-list, like, comedians, but I feel like they're... They're like up and coming comedians. They're not like to the full point of their potential yet, but they did a really good job uh, getting like an interesting pair. Tiffany Haddish is the detective, so so she's like our main three with all these different characters. You also have um, uh, Dave, not Dave Franco. Yeah, Dave, yeah, Dave Franco who plays um, Xavier, who is like this pop star. Um, the other uh, Sam Richardson, that's his name. He was in. Uh, we're the Miller. He's been a lot of like B list roles. Um, nothing like major yet. I feel like this is one of his big ones. Um, he was uh, he was like the um, the if if you remember from uh, Ted Lasso, he's like the prince who tried to get one of the or the governor who tried to get. Um, uh, forgot that guy's funny. Yeah, 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 he's funny. You know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, so you have Tiffany Haddish going, <clears throat> excuse me, to this murder mystery. Well, she's going to an apartment of the famous celebrity, which is played by Dave Franco, and all of the people in the house were, they they all came from a high school reunion. So basically, as Tiffany Haddish is interrogating all of them, you're getting the events that happened at the high school reunion and how they came to be, and uh, I would say it got me guessing until the very end. Like, you think you know who done it? And, um, and, and then, you know, you find out who it is and they're 30 minute episodes, except for the first ones, like 50, but other, all the other ones are 30 minutes. It's only, uh, it's only eight episodes. I mean, I, it was a quick watch for me and I was thoroughly enjoyed from start to finish. Like it's, it's funny. It's entertaining. Each story they, as she, other being interrogated and we're getting their version of the story has a different style of filmmaking to it. So like we, like one of them is like a rom-com approach to the story. The other one's like a, like a fast and furious action type where there's a little more action than, than the other stories were. There was one that like hit it as a hard drama and it was like, so the night of the high school reunion. And it's like stuff like that. Um, one of them was animated. One of the episodes was like fully animated because it was more like artsy because the person and tell the story was an artist mm. um and so it was like it was really creative ways of getting keeping the audience engaged while also being also engaging because it was a murder mystery and you want to figure out who did it um i think you would really enjoy this so i, okay. I recommend i recommend you watch this i think i think you'll have a good time with it um as much as i did and of course it's on apple tv plus which has been giving us prime content lately so i can't i can't be mad at that it's great stuff they really have um, it's already renewed for a second season. I believe Tiffany Haddish, as of right now, is the only uh, through line that might be just using her as the detective and going to another murder mystery. Um, but I also think that Sam Richardson and, and his co-star uh, Zo- Zoe Chu um, might also be in the mix as well. They were the two main leads in the show. So I don't know how they're involved unless they're continuing off this story. Um, but... Uh, I am curious to see what they come up with next because I really enjoyed that 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 series. So only season one so far. Um, and I and I, I want to mention this, Ernesto. I don't know if I think we might have briefly talked about it, but and I'm kind of switching gears a little bit. Did you listen to Mickey Seven the audiobook? Yes, I did. You did. Okay, so I I also just listened to it, and I oh, want to yeah? bring it up. 
and I and I also I want to bring it up because I know I thought you might have said you you listened to it, um, and also just to make reference to his movie sense, uh, Bong Joon Ho, which is the director of Parasite and uh, Snowpiercer, is adapting that book into a film starring Robert Pattinson, and we mentioned it on the show, and the book just came out like about less than a month ago, so <clears throat> excuse me. And so it's a brand new book that came out, and so it's already being adapted into a film by one of our favorite directors. So I was like, well, I gotta check it out to see what that book is all about. And I'm gonna be honest, I didn't like it. Yeah. I I didn't like the book, and I was like, honestly, the character it could have been the fault of the of the narrator, mm. because the narrator was a little bit more like not my style, right? Mm. And and so on top of that, the character itself felt like Sam Rockwell. Like, it, it felt like that, if you remember, like, the way that the character is being portrayed, it felt like that's exactly what Rock, 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 Sam Rockwell would say and do. Um, so there was already that. There was already that in place. And then the way that the story started, basically, it's about a, a person who is on a space expedition and with a colony, and he is what they call an um, expendable, or, or, yeah, I think that's what, what it is. And, and he is, basically, when he dies, uh, he's, he's purposely meant to die and do dangerous missions, because then they, they have a clone of himself, they'll just reclone him, upload his memories, and, and uh, you know then he would be alive again to be helpful for the colony in space. And so Mickey seven, there's seven, well, this is the seventh version of him. And then literally in the first chapter, there was a situation where he thought he was going to die and they just left him there to die. And then at the, the, the end of the first chapter, they realized that, you know, okay, I was able to get out of the situation. So let me go back to the base because I didn't die. And then when he gets to his bunk, there was a Mickey eight, and so yeah. they had already got a, du- a duplicate of him, and that's not allowed. And that's kind of where the story takes place. And I wish did you finish it. I did finish it, yeah. And 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 I wish that they had played up on that a lot more, like the fact that there were two of them. I feel like we spent a lot of other time building on the world and not on that immediate concern. What are you talking? The whole book is about <clears throat> them two together. It's about. What? It's about them figuring out what they're going to do. Literally, that's literally what the book is about. Yes, to, to, to that point. But I feel like we didn't do much with that story. That's kind of Maybe you I... wanted more. Well, how much? I mean, there was only so much you could explore before they had to deal with it. Yeah, that is correct. But I feel like we should have, like, honestly, like, I feel like a lot of the stuff that they happened, because it was like, like, I part of it was like, well, we have to split meal rations. And that was like a lot of the book was splitting up meal rations and how we're going to eat this and like getting out of the tank. And for some reason, I fet like in my head, it was more of a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal, but I thought it was like more of a big deal that there was two of him out there. And I wasn't that thrilled with the approach by it. And then the ending felt like a little, and this is, and this is the ending. And that's now we're here. I do feel, I do feel like the ending was a little rushed, but you know what? I think that this would make a better movie. That being, yes, I will agree to that. That that being said though, this feels like a movie that Bong Joon Ho would not direct as, as proper of what the book is. The book felt lighthearted and his movies are not, they're a little bit darker and more, have something to say to their movies. Like, 
But like, maybe that's what this property needs. It needs a maybe it needs a darker a darker approach. Maybe he can take what the author did and kind of amplify it up to the next level. Right. Because I do feel like the story is short enough where it can. There's much to be expanded on. Like you can expand on it in the movie. Absolutely, and that's kind of where I was getting at. I was like, I I'm very interested in why Bung Hung Joe decided to tell this story because honestly. Take its basic premise and some of its ideas that you implemented in the book, especially a lot of the world building, and then dump all the comedy stuff in it. And then now now I have a story that I'm interested in under his hands. Mm. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what he's going to do with that particular property. But for the most part, like I wasn't too thrilled with like about halfway through I was like I I don't care about this book anymore but I'm going <laughs> to fin I'm going to finish it anyway. Um so so yeah I I now I'm very curious of what he's going to do with that property. And if it's a more like darker more serious approach, I'm for that. I think the the main thing that interest that intrigued me about the book was the idea of like um like what's real? Like what like what's real? What do you who do you what do you consider a life? Absolutely. Yes, that was that, that was good. to me that was the that was the main thing that kept me interested is that through line of exploring, you know, of, of the like the situation that these two characters have to the dilemma that they have to deal with. Yes, and and I and I, I did like that point of the book as well because you're right. That I was think a strong they, through line for it. They mention a lot of like the um the story of uh was it the ship the, the, the ship, ship of the, Theseus. Thank you. Yes. And there was like, you know, when he set out to sail, the the boat broke off piece by piece. And by the end, when he came back, you know, it was a brand new ship because there were all new parts. So is it the same ship that left? That's a very good question, you know, and that's basically what, you know, the like you said, the through line and what Between Mickey 7 and 8 was all about. And also cloning itself is like, if you have all the pieces there and it looks like the same ship, is it though? Like, are these different personalities that you can get out of these? And, and kind of, they did have a little bit of different personalities, too. That's, I think, I hope that they explore, the movie would explore more of that. I, I agree. I, I that's, totally that's agree. That's the stronger, that's the stronger part of the story. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can focus on that, where it's okay that, then you don't mind as much that the ending was kind of rushed. Yeah, and I feel like that there might be going through some rewrites, and I'm I'm curious to see. Also with Robert Pattinson, he's a very he can be a weird actor as well as play Batman. So I like I said, I envision Sam Rockwell in that role, and technically Sam Rockwell already played that because that's 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 Moon, that's <laughs> yeah. pretty much Moon. Um, so I'm I'm curious now to see on the hands of Robert Pattinson what he's going to do with that particular character. Agreed. So. So anyway, that's all I've been watching, uh, I guess, and also listening as well. Um, and so now we're going to dive into our spoiler review of the week, which is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, starring the one and only Nicolas Cage, playing himself. <laughs> Ernesto, what were your thoughts on the film? So, I liked it. I did enjoy this movie. I thought it was very funny. It had a lot of action. I just... I don't understand why it has a hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, this is like it does. Yeah, that's like the if you go on IMDb and if you look at like the trailer for it, that it has one hundred. It has a one hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I just 
See, that's just one of those where I just don't agree with Rotten Tomatoes. Like, <laughs> like, and that that's a that is a perfect example. Not to say that the movie is bad, but uh, it's not a hundred. It's not. A, I don't think it's perfect. <laughs> so interesting. Like, I'm not sure when that trailer was. But I'm looking at uh, Rotten Tomatoes now, and it says that 87. percent It's dropped because it's, it's dropped. if you look up, if you pull it up on IMDb, literally the trailer, the overhead thing says 100 percent run. 100% yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. I bet if you look at the very, very fine print, it says as of this date. As yeah, this, it's when, like when we, it's very when small we put print. It, very small. Like when, when, we, when we made this poster, it was 100%. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Pedro Pascal was a great comedic addition. Um, he, was a, he was a true highlight. It's just something different. I mean, he's not the Mandalorian in this. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a truly different role for him. I think him and their, the chemistry that him and Nick Cage have, I thought they played very well off of each other. Um, I liked Tiffany Haddish and the guy that she was with. Um, I, I have a, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back to Tiffany Haddish and her, her little friend. Cause I have a, I have a very, I have a, a strange question to ask you. Okay. Uh, I, I thought the ending was weird. The way they switched to the climactic end to what actually was happening and then just yes. morphing it into the movie. It was like, so, we don't actually know how they actually got out, or we just kind of assume that they got out, or I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. It just seemed like a quick way for us to wrap up a lot of information in less than a minute. Uh, Pretty much, yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was a climactic point in the movie itself. Uh, I did like the egotistical angle he had with himself, where he was like talking to like the highest acting version of himself. He was like, <laughs> I'm Nick fucking Cage! <laughs> <laughs> like I and I like that there wasn't a lot of that. There wasn't that wasn't like it wasn't everywhere throughout the film. It was only like in a few key places. And that the whole movie you kind of get like um, little Easter eggs of all his movies that he's been in. That all he's been in. Which one, I figured that that was gonna be a thing. More uh, I thought that was gonna be more of a thing. Yes. Yeah. The one thing I thought was weird is what happened to Tiffany Haddish and this other guy. Did they die? Like. <laughs> Did they? Because then they they kill the other guy, and we didn't like we spent all this time with him. We didn't even see him die, we even learn about him die. All we see is his head down in the chair. So we're assuming he got shot. Did Tiffany Haddish die? Like I don't know. They kind of just they got shot, and then they just left. Like wow, yeah, they're dead now. <laughs> I, I agree. They kind of like just kind of put their characters down, like really weirdly. And the other actor is um, his name is. I K E. That's his first name. Um, Ike. Ike. Um, Baronholtz. B A R I N H O L T S. The who, the guy who played her um her her like her assistant. Who, oh okay. Well he I remember him. He's from like uh, Mad TV. I think he's, he's yeah he fun. was in, he was in Mad TV. He was also in Neighbors if you remember him. Uh, and he was also in the After Party that I also watched. Um, oh okay. The, the, the series he, he he started alongside Tiffany Haddish again. So they worked together uh, on another project. But yeah, between those two characters, it was very quick. It, it didn't feel like because at least Tiffany Haddish had a more of a important bigger role in the movie more than he did. Um, and the fact that he just kind of like off off camera killed them, kind of, was a little that was an odd move. I will agree to that. Yeah, uh, but I thought overall, I thought, I mean, I thought it was pretty good. Um, once again, don't see the 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 hundred percent rating, but I do think that it was great. I thought it was I thought it was funny. I liked the chemistry between between Pedro Pascal and Nick Cage. I thought they played well. It was almost like a buddy cop bromance type deal. 
Yes, the bromance, Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal's bromance was definitely 100% the highlight of this movie. Yes. Like, like, you come for the idea that Nicolas Cage is playing for himself, playing himself, but you stay for the bromance between him and Pedro Pascal. Because, honestly, when they're, like, just, you know going out and like just watch like the whole Paddington 2 thing was hilarious. <laughs> have you that, ever seen Paddington 2? Yes, I have, yeah. Is it is it that good? No, not really. Not not to, <laughs> not to me anyway. I didn't think <laughs> like a, a lot of people praise Paddington 1 and 2 as like one of their best movies, but I think like the fact that Nicolas Cage was able to play a a version of himself while also it's like an over-exaggerated version of himself, but maybe not. It's 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 a very interesting premise, and also the fact that Nicolas Cage is who he is, and like kind of goes for it in every role that he does. And now he's more of like a B, like a B actor, like an, he's an A-list actor that does B movies. Like you know, you know, Mandy was one of them. Uh, there was a foreign film that he did. Um, the one with the animatronic trying to kill people, like he, like he goes for those roles and he had to pay the bills. And they mentioned that in, in the movie too. Like it, it's very meta. This movie is a hundred percent meta. Um, the fact that he, the shrine to him was, uh, that was an interesting, uh, move. Like when Pedro Pascal shows him the shrine of all the Nicolas Cage movies. And I kind of wanted to make a, to, uh, to make a note, and I think they did a really good job of either mentioning or saying a line from every one of his movies in there, like subtly. Um, like even just going as far as like mentioning the Croods, like I loved you in the Croods, man. Like from <laughs> Tiffany Haddish. I'm a 45 year old man. Why the fuck would I watch Croods too? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> um, there was there was one. There was one scene that uh, they had like the. I was waiting to see if they're going to make a National Treasure reference because that's one of my favorite movies from his. Um, and they had the poster in the background when they, when they walked into the shrine. But there was one scene when he first gets captured by the cops, and he was like, "I have this watch," and I, I'm not sure if he was going to say you can use it as collateral, but he might have said like, "I have this watch," and he might have said that. Um, and that is like a straight line from National Treasure. Oh and really? Was, yeah, that's that's almost an exact like the way that he present like the way that he did it too is like I have this watch like he's flipped his wrist and everything about to take it off and I'm like that that's gotta be it like that's gotta be the reference because that was so very specific to do that and I was like that that's gotta be national treasure. Well, there was also that line where Pedro Pascal he's like he's like I thought you did your own stunts. And he's like, not according. He, he goes, that's the stud team. He he says, not according to the making of featurette. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, I think this the scene was in the trailer, but the whole wall bit when they're like really, really high on whatever they were on, and yes. they're like, they're watching you. He's like, okay, don't look. And he goes, they're watching you. <laughs> that's a really <laughs> intense <just> scene. <laughs> and then they're trying to go over the wall. And, and it's like you gotta go without me no and then oh. he, he gets over like nicholas cage gets over and then pedro pascal just walks around he's like yeah oh we could have just walked around he's like oh okay, oh cool. yeah yeah okay. nice nice <laughs> um it, it it's funny because also the movie was a, again more meta was about making a movie or at least like working out the perfect script 
So as they're trying to develop the perfect movie and write the perfect script, that's the events of the film right there in and of itself. And then, again, more meta because it's Nicolas Cage playing himself, and now it's a movie within a movie, and now we're getting into all that stuff. But I thought it was funny because in in those moments when they're talking about a script, they're like, um, you need a hook to get him in the theater. Like, you got to get him in there. It's like, you got to... And I think this was an exact line. I wrote it down. Um and it says, oh, I gotta go back down. Um, he says something along the lines of, "This isn't a Marvel or Star Wars movie. It's an intelligent film for adults." <laughs> and I was like, I wouldn't go as far as intelligent because you do have to understand his filmography first, and yeah. then you have to appreciate the meta ness of this all. So I guess it's intelligent to say the least. Um, but I was like, if anything, this is ridiculous of, of for adult movies. But I think it was funny how it's kind of just playing on itself. Um, and I think, you know, as, as very, well, I say this loosely, but it's very similar to everything, everywhere, all at once. I appreciate the originality of this film. I agree. Yeah, I will say it. Yeah, I agree. And so it's like, yes, it wasn't maybe the greatest movie, uh, because there were moments where I feel like, honestly, they kind of leaned into more crazy Nick Cage, uh, because I didn't really, I thought there was a lot of slow moments in here that kind of dragged the movie down a little bit. Mm. did you feel that way i didn't really get so much of that but i do agree that that they could have gone like you've already went crazy enough like you just Mm -hmm. just keep going (laughs) right and i feel like again with the moments where nicholas cage and pedro pascal are there um i think we could have used a little bit more of that um but i think they try to throw in like a drama with with nicholas cage dealing with his family and like trying to not to be egotistic even though that's what this movie is anyway. And he's like always working and they told him to stop, you know, they want him to stop working and be a father, but you know, he's keeps going and going and doing more, more roles, which is very similar to what he does in his career, I guess. Um, always working, always doing these movies. Um, but I also feel like in a way that this was like a big movie for him, like as an actor, like Nicolas Cage, because all the other ones were like straight to DVDs or straight to streaming or, you know, home release or whatever. Uh, but this one got a theatrical release. I can't remember the last Nicolas Cage movie to hit theaters and got like a, a, this big of a press like that. Um, oh, that's a good point. I mean, I don't know. Like, he was a Hollywood actor at one point, and then he dipped down. But like, Maybe the for Croods. example, the Croods, yeah, but that was voice acting. But yeah. Like for the, his last couple of rounds, like the prisoner, the prisoners of Ghostland, Willy's Wonderland, and Pig, all crazy roles, but also none of those went to theaters. Um, there's Grand Isle, Primal, Kill Chain. I'm just going. He he, well, he also did voice work for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and T Titans Go the Movie. Yeah. So so like and again on top of um, the Crude. So those movies did well and went to theaters, but. I'm trying to maybe Vengeance in 2017. I'm trying to go back to see where Snowden. That's that he wasn't a starring role. He did um that was um who did that? Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt did Snowden. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see the last big movie. Uh, Ghost Rider. Spirit of Vengeance. Vengeance, yeah, in 2011. Trespass. Like those movies, those were you know big movies for him, I guess. Drive Angry, I remember those hitting the theaters, but Kick Ass. Oh, I forgot Kick Ass. Yeah, he did. That was in 2010, though. Um, yeah, may, maybe it was that 
Maybe it was maybe it was 2011, the last time he was like big in the movies. After that, it was like aside from some some voice work, it was all like you know straight to home video um, releases for him. So I think this was a big a big move for his career, which again was in the movie. Like he really wanted to get this role because it would be a big move for his career. Again, leaning in on the meta ness of it all. Um, but I did I. I did appreciate with that. Um, what, what do you think of the whole, like, because I feel like we were also playing two different movies here. What do you think of the whole, like, being with the cops angle? Like, being a, what do you call it? Like, um, like a uh, secret agent. Secret agent, yeah. What do you think of that angle? Because I feel like we might have not have needed that. Well, we needed that because we needed a reason for... Um, Pedro Pascal's brother to want to have to kill and kidnap the family. Mm-hmm. And it was them finding out that he's a, that he was working with the government that set that up. But a, for a story like that, like I understand like story wise for the movie, but do you think it would have been better if it just played like a straight comedy and not maybe try to do like the police angle of it all? Maybe not the police, but it definitely could have used, uh, something, but I think that was—I mean—that was the whole plot: is him meeting this guy who's a super fan, but he also happens to be this massive arms dealer, you know, cartel arms dealer guy. Right. But what? what say, so, for sake of argument, say if it wasn't, and if it just played like he just went to go met a rich fan, and the movie kind of played along that, and the rest of the movie was just them trying to make a movie. And then eventually, you know, some crazy action scene might have happened in the middle, but that was it, and we didn't really have a police angle. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It could it could have definitely worked. It probably would have been. It wouldn't have been as outlandish and crazy. It maybe would have That's been fair. more. It would have been more of a grounded story. Yeah, I I, I can see that. Um, but obviously, you know, we got like a, a crazy, ridiculous movie, and regardless, and uh, and then of course you have. The ending, which I do agree with you, felt a little quick and, you know, abrupt, where you have, like, this... Well, it's funny, because even in the movie, they're like, we need, like, this big trailer moment. We need the trailer moment to hook him into the theater, and um, and it presented itself in an action way. Um, like, uh, some of the action moments were like, yes, this is it. This is our big trailer moment. Um, that's our hook. And at the end... I, I guess it all worked out for him at the end of the movie. Like he he was able to create and he was able to work with his friend, make a big blockbuster movie that everyone loved, and also be a family man. All of that happened within like ten minutes, if that, <laughs> if that, yeah. And that was very quick. So I, I do agree with you that maybe, like I don't know how, how would you would have ended it? Would would you want to just play it straight up and not go like the movie route? I would have liked to have seen the climax at the end of him taking out that guy, of them being in that embassy. Like, I would mm-hmm. have liked to have seen that ple- that scene actually play out and not switch it to a movie. And then we switch his his wife to be uh, Debbie Moore playing yeah. a cameo in that as well. Um, I also thought it was funny, like, again, the last, at the very end of the movie, they mentioned, like, it's the bees! Like, he wanted, like, that, that iconic meme that I always see. Or not the bees! Or something along those lines. And it wasn't like a belt buckle that he had. Like, it was like a spider. Yeah, and he was like, yeah, or a tarantula. He's like, I wanted a bee, but, you know, not the bees. So then he went over the tarantula instead. Um, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I think it was funny. I yeah. think, I uh, final thoughts, I think I applauded for being 
original. And and I and I also applaud Nicolas Cage for doing this movie, and I like how seriously it uh, how serious he took the role, and I love the bromance between Pedro Pascal. I think some of the or- story elements felt flat for me, and that's where I feel like that we kind of I wish we would have leaned more into Nicolas Cage as an actor and kind of really expand on his filmography and mm. go even more meta with it because we were already there. Um, but other than that, I, I enjoyed it. I, you know, it was a good time in the theater. Also, I, I did watch this right after, um, everything everywhere all at once. Mm. So it was, it was a hard follow up. Literally. I walked out of that movie. (laughs) I walked out. (laughs) I know. I walked out of that movie. I'm like, all right, Nicolas Cage, let's see what you got. And I was like, I mean, you were good, but like not as good as that one. (laughs) So, uh, final thoughts for you. Uh, same. I thought it was good. It was a good. There was a. I love the bromance between Pedro Pascal and him. Um, I just. I, I kind of wanted more from the ending, and I wanted. I felt like they included Tiffany Haddish and this other character. They included them so much in the beginning, but yet mm-hmm. they gave them such like unimportant deaths. Like they just yeah. killed them off like they didn't even matter. Right. I I totally agree with that. Um, and that's like one of the few inconsistencies that I had with the movie as well. And then you also had that crazy car chase and like really amping up like the, the action of the movie toward the end. But yeah, I think, you know, the movie was already what, maybe an hour and 40. We could have, we could have given an extra two minutes on a proper death for them. That's not the hard to ask for. I agree with you on that. Um, but anyway, that's. All the show we have for you guys this week, as we said, a lot of news and also another original movie, which I appreciate. I like watching, like, I like going to theater and kind of giving an original movie or watching an original movie as opposed to, you know, all the sequels we we normally get to go see in the big big budget fashion. That being said, Ernesto, tell our lovely listeners what they can look forward to next week. We're going back into the world of Marvel. Because this week, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness comes out. And whew, we got a good show for you guys next week. Talking uh, about that. Yes, I, I'm so looking forward to Doctor Strange. Like, for me, there was two big movies I was looking forward to. One of them was Spider-Man, which we got. And then the next one was Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. I don't know what's going to be in that movie, but <laughs> I can't wait to see all of it. Like I, I want, I want crazy stuff, Ernesto. Give me it, it, again. It's gonna be a hard follow up because we just saw everything, everywhere, all at once, which was a crazy multiverse movie. And so I feel like you know it's kind of weird saying this, but like I want Doctor Strange. Like, look, you got some competition, Doctor Strange. Like, you do. That's right. Like that was a crazy multiverse movie. Can you can you compete with that? Typically, it's the other way around. Like, it's like, hey, Marvel, can you, hey, indie flick, can you compete with Marvel? Now we're like, hey, indie, hey, Marvel, can you compete with this indie flick? Because yeah. that was can pretty you give intense. what they gave us? Because they gave exactly. us a pretty intense film. So I want that, but with Marvel. I don't think we're going to get that, but I'm willing, I really want to see where they go. And hopefully this is like a, a stepping off point for the bigger picture of the MCU. There's a lot of story to cover, so I just don't. I just hope we're not getting Age of Ultron again. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, because there's like, a lot of story that has to be covered. Agreed. And Age of Ultron didn't didn't do it as well as it could have, but yeah. hopefully this doesn't fall to the same fate. But same. we'll find out next week. So come back next week. We'll talk about Doctor Strange and the.
Multiverse of Madness and diving back into the Marvelverse. And uh, hopefully, Ernesto, if you get in time, fin- we'll have a discussion on Moon Knight if you finish it up as well. Probably won't, um, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's all the show we have for you guys this week. As always, you can find us on our social media channels on Instagram at boxoffice underscore bingers and on Facebook at boxofficebingers and our TikTok page as well. We'd like to thank everyone for coming in each and every week to listening to us just talk about movies and TV shows. Uh, really do appreciate you doing that. Come back next week for more movie fun. You will not regret it. And for that, I've been your host, Matt Diaz. Ernesto Santos. See ya.